0: So as the holidays come, um, last week we kind of looked at the idea of the power of our words. That the words have power to either give or to take life, to build up or to tear down. And today I want to look at something else that may be connected to your holidays. It may not be. Some of y'all may have very functional families, and some of you may have very dysfunctional families. I, I don't know all of your, your family lives, but, but does anybody have a grudge with somebody in their family? I'm not asking you to raise your hand. Maybe not, maybe not with your family, but, but maybe some of you have a grudge with somebody at your workplace, and so you're really grateful that during this holiday season you're going to have some days off where you don't have to deal with them. Or, or you've got uh, grudges with pe- folks that you go to school with and so you go, I'm so glad I don't have to see them. Y'all know what I'm talking about, grudges. Those, those, those interactions that you have with people that for whatever reason, the moment they enter into a room, your entire demeanor changes. Because you start thinking about, oh, I can't believe, I can't, think, I can't even handle what they did. And, and nine times out of ten, it's something that happened years ago that you're still holding on to. For the longest time, me and my brother held a grudge with each other. And it sounds very petty because it is very petty. But the reasoning was is because he took the last deviled egg at Thanksgiving. And I had laid claim to that deviled egg. Said, so that's mine. He said, this one, and he took it and he ate it. And we held on, and I held on to that grudge forever. Anytime there was deviled eggs, I didn't care if there was 10 left on the plate. I was taking all of them so that he wouldn't get any. But these idea of, of grudges, of, of lingering conflict, or, or another definition I saw um, getting mad and just staying mad. Or one of the best definitions I heard, a persistent feeling of ill will or resentment from perceived injury or offense. This, this persistent feeling of ill will towards somebody from a perceived injury or offense. But sometimes, that, And what I love about that is sometimes it's not even something that actually happened, but you perceived that they were attacking you. You perceived that they were doing something malicious. And so what do you do? I'll handle that situation. Anybody got a grudge? Maybe you've got a grudge with a particular person or even with a particular group of people. And, and as I wrestle with this idea of grudges that we bear, I have to ask the question, why do we hold on to them so tightly? Is it because we think that they, that they feel good? It feels good to get revenge. It feels good to be, uh, to be mad. Wasn't there a country song a few years ago that said, I just want to be mad for a while? Sometimes we just want to be mad. But they don't work. Can we disagree on that? Grudges do not work. And if you, don't want, if you don't believe me, then here's proof that they don't work. The fact that you're still holding on to it proves that it did not work because it has not solved anything. The fact that it's, you're still allowing it to hurt you and make you mad proves that grudges solve nothing. And, and, and Paul has something to say about that in his letter to the Romans in Romans chapter 12, beginning in verse 17. And I just want to look at that first verse honestly for a brief moment because he says, Do not repay anyone evil for evil, but be careful to do what is right in the eye of everyone. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. The fact that he says repay, I want to go ahead and, and get this out there, um, implies the context that, that there is someone who has done something to you. And I'm not discrediting that. I'm not up up here going, just just lay aside all that hurt. This is acknowledging that there was something done to you. You have a reason to be upset. But he also points out something that I think is innate within us as human beings. And that is that our inclination is to repay evil for evil. If you don't believe me, go hang out with five and six-year-olds for a little while. I can remember growing whenever my nephews were growing up, almost every one of them followed in my brother and my footsteps and would get in trouble when they were at school. And inevitably, we'd hear a conversation that would go something like this. Well, what happened? So-and-so kicked me. What'd you do? I kicked them back. Anybody else have interactions like this? And the thing is, is as we get older, we don't kick them back, but we definitely get back and get even. We just become way more subtle about it because we're more experienced in it. We play emotional warfare sometimes. We withhold things from one another. Because our inclination is to repay evil for evil And somehow, we've started to buy into the fact that if we get revenge, it will be the end of the issue. If they do evil to us, we do evil to them, everything's good. Except for we know that's not how it happens, and that's not how it works. Because if somebody does something evil to me, and I repay, then what happens? They have to get even with me. I have to get even with them. And we find ourselves dwelling on this and allowing this to become part of who we are. And I think the language for grudges is so misleading because we use the term, do you hold a grudge? And I think the answer is absolutely not. None of us hold a grudge, but many of us are held by our grudges because they have laid into us and cling to us and will not let us go. And so, what happens in a grudge is that we find ourselves repaying evil for evil, offense for offense. And as that happens, it goes something like this offense for offense, for offense, for offense and so on and so forth, until not only do we have so many offenses, but we literally have a fence between us and someone else built out of our offenses to them. That a barrier gets put up between us and people, and what is so sad so often about grudges is this, that the grudges that we hold and that hold us so frequently are with people that we care deeply for. In all honesty, that kind of makes sense because if we didn't care so deeply for them, we'd just let it go. But the other side of that coin is this, that it may not be, you may be saying, no, preacher, I don't care about them, but the, here's the reality of all grudges, is it may not be separating you from someone that you care deeply about, but it is call, someone that you are called to care for. and You can't disregard that. Because Jesus calls us to love as he loved. And so we're called to care for these people. But so often we allow our evil for evil ways to put us at odds and to put barriers between us and one another or us and a whole group. And we put them on the other side of the fence. We put them on the other side of the barrier because they believe or they vote or they value things differently than we do. Or even as we were talking about and joking this morning in men's club, during Egg Bowl season, because they cheer for a different team than you do, all of a sudden you put up a fence, a wall, a barrier. And for many of us, we've held on to these for so long that the fences are not just long, but they're reinforced. Sometimes we've been mad for so long, carrying a grudge for so long, we don't even remember where it started. We remember what happened last year, but we don't remember why the grudge ever began. It's kind of like that old story of the Hatfields and McCoys. If you go research it, so frequently it's like, well, what started this whole issue? Nobody knows. Because it's, it's such history that people go, well, it might have been this or it might have been that, but we don't really know. And so Paul looks at us and says it's time to interrupt this cycle of evil for evil. And as I, as I even say that, for some of us, we're going, yeah, yeah, but what about what, what about what they did to me? And then Paul has something to say about that, beginning in verse 18, when he says, if it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge, and I will repay, says the Lord. Paul Paul literally says, hey, guess what? It's not about you. Or rather, it isn't about them, it's about you. Whenever you're saying, hey, what about what they did to me? Paul says, it's not about them, it's about you and you getting your heart right with me. And so in 19, what he's quoting is Deuteronomy 32, 35. And what he's reminding them is that, guess what? God's got this. God's got this. And and we can look at that and go, oh yeah, I'll take a step back. Yeah, God, get them. Yeah, I like that verse. I'll step back and God will handle the situation. But do you ever notice what happens so frequently with Jesus as he's interacting with people even that come against him and do evil? He extends love and grace and mercy. And and so he goes on, Paul does, and he says, On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. In other words, what he's saying is this wonderful phrase that we've grown up knowing, kill him with kindness. that the way to overcome evil is not with more evil, because as we've heard before, an eye for an eye will leave the whole world blind. But the way to overcome evil is with good and love. Or or as Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. is quoted as saying, darkness cannot drive out darkness, only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate, Only love can do that. And so what it's this challenge to do is when it becomes your turn, if you will, in the grudge, when, it, when it, you can choose to put up another, another board in your fence of offenses, uh, the challenge that I would encourage you to is to not put up another board, but to take down a board from the fence and lay it down. And what happens as we continue to take those boards off the fence, if you can just picture this with me, you take the board off the fence of offenses and you lay it down. You take another one off, and you lay it down. And slowly but surely, your fence has become a bridge. There's no longer a fence between you and them, but there's a bridge that has been made in love and grace and mercy and compassion between you and this person. Because we're following the example of Christ Jesus, right? And when Jesus overcame the devil... He didn't do so with evil and hate and darkness, but he did so with the light and love that only Christ could give. God overcame the worst of the worst by giving of his very best. And then so he set the example for how we are to overcome the cycle of evil for evil. Now, I know I'm well aware, because I've sat through many a sermons like this where you find yourself sitting in church going, that sounds real good, preacher, until you get out in the real world. People ain't living like that out there, preacher. That idea is risky, because what if they don't reciprocate my good for good? And I would ask you this, what's more risky, trying to break this pattern of evil for evil, or allowing a grudge to continue to seek its, sink its claws into you to the point where not only does it change your demeanor when you're around that person, but it begins to change who you are from the inside out. As you continue to think of being hurt and all of these things, it starts to, to make you a person that seeks to not love first, but to get revenge. Th- that seeks... to to sometimes, if we're not careful, it will push us to a place where we've got to get them before they get us because we're fearful of that. Yeah, it may seem a little bit risky. It may even seem unfair to some of us as we go, Oh, preacher, but they don't deserve it. It may make you worried may make you feel like you're going to be weak. Oh, preacher, I can't let them keep walking all over me like this. And I want to go ahead and give this warning and give this statement, that this is not a call to allow people to continue to walk all over and take advantage of you. You can can seek to do the good of Jesus Christ while putting up proper barriers and guardrails to protect oneself. But it is a a, a reminder that we are called to act out of love and care and compassion. And sometimes if you continue to seek to love someone and they continue to repay that love with evil and you continue to seek to love and they continue to repay that love with evil, you know what may need to be done? Put a little bit of separation between you and them. That's okay. Because remember, Jesus, when he says, love your neighbor... As yourself, So you have to care for yourself as well. And I know that this may seem, like I said, risky and unfair or weak. But here's the good news for some of us, the bad news for others. But if we proclaim to be Jesus followers, this is not an optional teaching. Because here's the thing, we're called to follow Jesus. And when we want to talk about risky behavior, Jesus literally risked it all not knowing if we would accept his love, grace, and forgiveness. Jesus isn't deterred by risky or unfair. Because unfair is the exact story of grace, is it not? If we got what we deserved, if we got what was fair, we would not be receiving salvation. The very story of God's grace is that it's unfair because we didn't deserve it and we don't earn it, but God gives it to us anyway. And I know, oh, none of us want to be perceived as weak, but I just want to draw your attention back to when Jesus was hanging on the cross being mocked by those that sat at the foot of it called weak. And they were saying, oh, if you're so strong, take yourself off of the cross. But as he hung there on the cross, people perceived him to be weak until, that is, that he conquered the grave and death and sin for you and for me. Risky unfair, weak. That's how Jesus overcame evil with good. And so, as we think about our calling, our calling as Christians to to live the way of Christ, And, and as we look at this idea of grudges that we may hold, or better yet, hold us, I want to give you some some practical tools, if you will, in case you encounter that person that you're holding a grudge with. The first one is to go quickly and directly. It's not a talking around the situation, and it's not a I'll put it off till tomorrow, because if you're like me, you'll put it off until tomorrow, until tomorrow comes, and then you'll put it off until tomorrow, until tomorrow comes, and you never address the issue. So be quick and direct about addressing it. But as you're quick, be quick to forgive. Not not as we talked about, because they deserve it, but because that's who you are as a person, as someone that forgives. And so frequently, I think we look at this idea of saying that forgiveness is condoning what happened, and it's saying, no, I'm not going to allow what happened to have this rule and reign over my life anymore because I'm going to move on past it. It's not to discredit it, Notice, I mean, even Paul doesn't say, hey, what happened to you wasn't that big of a deal. He says, no, it was a deal. There is an issue, but forgiveness means that you're not going to allow those past offenses to define you anymore. So be quick to forgive. Maybe one of the harder parts for all of this would be this. Own your part. Own your part. That so often we look at a grudge and we go, I I didn't do anything. It's all them. They just keep doing it. Well, why do they keep doing it? And so often it's because we, whether consciously or subconsciously, are pushing back and putting up barriers as well. We're offending back because we repay evil for evil. And as I was always told growing up, there's three sides to every story, his side, her side, and the truth. And so often we just stay on our sides and we're unwilling to move to the center of the truth and go, hey, you know what? Let me own my mistakes. And I know some of y'all are even hearing that and going, oh, but they need to own theirs. Let, Let them worry about them. Let God worry about them. And then... Perhaps one of the most, or one of the final ways that we can live this out is this. And I'm actually going to give you an opportunity to live this one out right now. Serve them and pray for them. Because I've come to realize it's not just difficult, but it's impossible to hold a grudge, to seek to do evil to someone that you are truly praying To someone that you're truly lifting up and saying, God, not my will, but yours. God, I lift them up asking for a changing of their hearts and their minds. It's truly impossible to do evil and authentically pray for the same person. So as we close today, as we sing our song, The altar's open. Um, You you may have a grudge with somebody that's sitting on the other side of the aisle, both figuratively or literally, I don't know. But if they're here with you, I challenge you to go quickly and directly. But I also challenge you, if they're not here, to take a moment in prayer for that person. To seek to, to take the first step into tearing down the fence and building a bridge. So as the altar is open, I challenge you to come pray. The question is, who in your life needs a bridge? Amen? Amen.